that moment of them sitting down with me and helping me do my my FAFSA um, really, really stands back out to me as I look back and say that was such a, a turning point in my my educational career. Hello, Titans, and welcome to another episode of Fram and Friends, a Cal State Fullerton podcast in partnership with Titan Radio. Now in our fourth season, we've had many tremendous Titans on the show, but this is the first time we've had the honor of sitting down with Cal State Fullerton's current Titan of the Year. Here to introduce him is your host and president, Fram Vergie. Well, hey, everybody. Great to talk to you. Great. I'm glad you're listening, and I hope you're having a great day. And uh Welcome back to campus. We are actually back on campus in person, and it is a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. We are here today with Marco Mendoza, uh, who is, as uh, Matt just mentioned, our Titan of the Year for 2021. Uh, he's the Assistant Director of Client Services in our Office of Financial Aid. I love that we have clients for financial aid. I think that's the perfect name for them. That's who they are. Uh, he's also a first-generation uh, immigrant and college graduate, just like me. I'm first gen and an immigrant as well. And so we got that in common. And uh, we're here to get to know each other, hear from you, uh, uh, Mark, Marco, about uh, uh, what drew you here, what keeps you here, uh, why you love being a Titan. We know you must love being a Titan or you wouldn't be Titan of the Year. That's no, there are no mistakes here. So uh, let's start. Was just getting to know each other. Share a little bit about uh, where you grew up, your educational experience, and maybe how you ended up in higher ed. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I want to start by saying that I feel like one of those uh, radio hosts, or not hosts, but radio guests who call in for the first time and say, "Longtime listener, first time caller." Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. I started listening when we all went and worked from home for for some time, and. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be here and I just want to thank you both for, for having me. Absolutely. Um, it's our pleasure and our honor. Thank you. Um, and in terms of myself, I, I was born in Mexico and at the age of six, uh, my family and I immigrated here uh, and specifically to Long Beach, California, which is where I, I've, I've grown up. And it's uh, where I went for K through 12. I, um, like a lot of our students, I, I, I who, who immigrated here, I had to adjust the new culture, the new language. I didn't speak English. I didn't understand any any of the American culture, and I had to learn it quick. And I think with with time, I I was able to to gain a lot of the references and 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 you know, things that that make us uh, unique in the U.S. And and um, as I started to grow up, I um, always heard that education was something that was really important, and that was something that I should pursue to 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 better myself and to just have a better quality of life. And so my parents always talked to me about it, but they themselves weren't educated. Um, they themselves didn't pursue higher ed. Uh, my mom um, did high school, but that was as, hard as, as, as high as far as she went. Um, but she, she believed and she knew that uh, through education, I could uh, gain a better quality of life for myself. And um, I think in, in some respects also to, to you know, reach back and help and help them and to help those who came after me. And, um, I would say that I was very fortunate to have mentors and to have teachers along my journey who, who were very uh, giving of their time and who were very kind. Um, and they uh, always instilled a sense of belief, um, even, even when I didn't always believe in myself. Um, and it was through these different people who I think at times just came at, um, by, by the grace of God, honestly, to, to, to be in my life and to, and to guide me. Um, and I think that um, it was through these people that I ultimately went to community college, and that's where I got my start in, in, in higher education. And I attended my local community college at Long Beach City, and I got very involved. Um, I was one of those students who who joined clubs and who at some point did student government. Um, and I, through recommendations and I think just um, I, I ultimately became their ASI president at LBCC, and that was a life-changing experience because that's, that's where I, I would say ultimately where I feel that I ultimately found my calling um, and that's where I got to meet folks who worked in higher education not just at the student life staff level but also and being in those roles you get to interact with a lot of people uh, with administration and so I got to to, to to at times work with VPs and uh, other deans and 
sit in committees and, and really gain a, a, a view of what it was like to work in higher ed and, and to understand what the word or the term student affairs meant. And that's where I would say I found my, my calling through, through student involvement in higher ed and through student life. Um, and after three years, I transferred to, to UCLA where I, and ultimately graduated from and I got my, my BA in, in sociology. Um, but for me, uh, my time there, I would say it was also uh, a really transformational time because it's where I think I had a kind of a, a coming of age and I had an experience working in student affairs and specifically in, in financial aid. I got my first experience uh, working in a, in a student services office and, and working with and, and, and for students. And, and that to me, I think was um, kind of the, the push I needed to, to say, this is, this is what I, I want to do. And uh, with time, I, I, I graduated and, and I, I knew I wanted to be in higher ed, and so I, I pursued these these different student services type of jobs. And um, after college, I continued to work in financial aid for a bit, uh, and then went off to a community college and worked in student life. Uh, so going back and working with student government, student activities, putting on different events. Uh, but it was far from home, if I'm going to be honest. And and I and I knew that I didn't necessarily want to live where I was working at the time in, in the IE in the Inland Empire. And I decided to to look closer to home and and. And I found CSUF, um, and I ultimately applied to work in the Office of Financial Aid, and I've, and I've been there, been there since. And that is a very simplified um, way of, of saying how I got here. But that's, that's ultimately how I did get here. Well, it, it is. Um, it may sound simple, <laughs> but I know it's not, um, because it's it's complex because it's your life, right? Um, our lives track in so many ways. I met, I moved to the United States. One month shy of my sixth birthday, uh, immigrant, two parents who had never gone to college but knew that that's what they that that was what was going to happen to me, whether I knew it or not, because they saw education as the great equalizer and the great opportunity builder. Um, and the thing in listening to your 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 description of your life, I can see because I'm our listeners can't tell this, but I'm watching your eyes. And I can see you, your, your, the film of your life rolling across your eyes. It is a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see. But what is the most beautiful about what you said is you didn't say, I did this and I did that and I did this. What you said was, I was mentored. I was helped. I was guided. People took an interest in me. People cared about me. People told me I could do things that I didn't think I could do. Um, and that is an amazing thing. And I'm willing to guess and bet that's what draws you to higher ed is the opportunity to actually make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely, I would say that as I as I look at my what I like to call my my purpose, it's it's to to ultimately use use the gifts that I've been given and to use the the privilege that I now have to reach back and help lift others up. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I I think I really enjoy. I know I really enjoy working here at CSUF because. We, we have such a diverse student body, and as I look across at the students we interact, they reflect my own, my own background, my own story at times, and it's, it's really humbling. And it is extremely important for us as a campus for our students to be able to see themselves in the people who help them along the way, not just in the classroom, but in every place and space where they go for help. Now... You, you, you may not know this about me, but I was a lawyer for 30 years before I went into higher ed in private practice. And when I was growing up as a baby lawyer, you have to decide what kind of law you wanted to practice. And I remember telling, and when I was in law school, I told a recruiter, anything but tax. I do not want to be a tax lawyer. That's the last thing I ever want to be. Um, and I ended up taking tax classes and loving them. I did not become a tax lawyer. Um, but I always remember thinking to myself, anything but tax. And when I came into higher ed and went into higher ed and um, discovered all the different places and spaces on a campus, I'm going to be very honest with you. I would said I would love to do a lot of things on this campus. Anything but financial aid. <laughs> anything but financial aid. Yeah. So for me, financial aid always sounded like anything but tax. Yeah. Anything but financial aid. And... Uh, it wasn't until we have our amazing director of financial aid, Jessica Barco, who I interviewed with her when she came here. And she said, I want to make financial aid the number one service organization on our campus. 
I want instead of people saying, oh, financial aid, I want them to say, oh, financial aid. And I need to recruit the team to do that. And here you are. So what is it about financial aid that makes you want to be a tax lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> and before you answer that, I just want to let the listeners know what Titan of the Year means very quickly. We, every year we have a university awards program in which Titans are nominated for certain awards. And the highest honor we bestow at the university is Titan of the Year. There were hundreds of nominees this year. You were actually nominated by a student, as you likely know. And uh, so that's how he became Titan of the Year. So sorry, I just wanted some context for the listeners. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. And it, it was one of our student workers, one of the student assistants that works under my supervision. And and that was really humbling for me, to be honest with you, because I think that, to, or I, I know that knowing that she took the time to do that, that she felt strongly enough to say this, this person, Marco, has had an impact on me and I want to do this for him. It meant a lot. And I've, I've shared that with her and, I, and I, I've let her know that she, she's done more, more for me than I think she'll, she'll ever probably understand. Um, but it's, it was very humbling to, to, to receive that award. Um, but in terms of why, why financial aid or, or what makes you want to do financial aid, I would say that growing up, one of the, the things that, that always kind of at times prevented me from thinking I can go to college because there was definitely a time where I, where I would say, I, I don't think I can go to college. I can't afford it. My, my dad's a furniture finisher, so he paints furniture for a living. My mom was a stay-at-home mom very low income family household. I hadn't seen it done. Um, I hadn't seen anybody accomplished it other than maybe a teacher who had spoken about college. And so I didn't see it as a possibility. And I would just hear the cost of college is going up. The cost of college is going up. And I at one point thought I wanted to be a chef and I almost enrolled in culinary school because I thought I'll do two years at a culinary school in LA. I will gain my AA and I'll join the workforce and then contribute to to my family's household and and help out in any way I can. And I was this close to doing it. I was admitted to that culinary school. And the last piece I needed was a financial aid application uh, to be submitted. And I ultimately had somebody help me with my BAPS application and they walked me through it and they, they, they asked me, so why, what makes you want to be a chef? And, and I told them, well, I honestly just want to help my family. I want to help pay the rent. I want to help pay the bills. I want to I want to help. Um, and, but, but as I was describing all of this, they said, you know what? I don't know if that's, that's actually what you want to do. I don't know if that's actually your, what you're really Passion. passionate about. I think you just, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking for something. Why don't you enroll in at community college? Maybe you can take some culinary classes there, but you can also take other classes and see what, what interests you. And I ultimately listened and, and I'm glad I did. Um, because that, 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 that moment of them sitting down with me and help me do my, my FAFSA um, really, really stands back out to me as I look back and say that was such a, a turning point in my, my educational career. Somebody showed kindness. It was somebody who worked at LAUSD. It wasn't even my homeschool district. My mom had interacted with them in some way, mentioned me, and then she offered their help. So I was there in her office at like 7 p.m. doing my FAFSA way, way, way after they had you know, finished their job. And that always that always um, stayed with me. And I, over the years, I've, I've thanked them for it. And I'd love to know that because of them, I, I made the right choice, I think, or I know. Um, but in terms of why financial aid, I think back to that student who, who thought it was too expensive. I can't afford it. My family's poor. I can't do it. And as I was looking at different student services job when I was at UCLA, I, I found financial aid. I applied and I said, I, I wouldn't mind learning more about it. It's been such a a, a, a important part of my journey. I wouldn't mind learning something about it and got the experience. And I, and I really fell in love with it and being able to break something down that was at times scary, at times really, really hard to understand for some. And, and those moments where I got to break it down for a parent, I always saw my parents. I always believed it was not believed, but I always just saw them reflected on, on, on those parents that I got to to interact with, and especially the ones who, who didn't speak English, because those are my parents. And so as I work in, in this current role and in this current um, position, I, I, I always think back to, to, to that student who, who thought they couldn't do it because they couldn't afford it. And that's what we do now. We do our best to educate students about how affordable it is to attend school, especially at CSUF, and, and all the different resources that are available, and to, to make it as transparent as we can by hosting workshops, by hosting drop-in sessions, by, by being out on campus and, and really changing the narrative that 
college is unaffordable till college is attainable. College is realistic. And if I can do it, you can definitely do it. Absolutely. And uh, as I have navigated over the past nine years, higher education, um, I've realized that financial aid is not tax. No, no. <laughs> it is. It is actually really important. Really, not that taxes aren't important, but it is actually essential, and it is the gateway to opportunity. And what uh, uh, other things that I've realized that I think a lot of our listeners should be facile with and be able to talk about is how um, amazing our state is in actually supporting our students with uh, within the CSU looking at the state university grant program and you know the first third of our kids socioeconomically go to go to school without a tuition bill they get a tuition waiver that's financial aid and that is highly committed uh, activity by the entire system to make sure that those students have that opportunity and then with cal grants and pell grants um you know there's there are very few students that are not touched by financial aid on our campus and look at the debt opportunity. I mean, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, I've got two boys that went to USC and, uh, and one that went to UCLA, and I, I know how much it costs. And the debt uh, that students bring out of those institutions compared, 50% of our kids at Cal State Fullerton uh, graduate debt-free with no debt at all. And the other 50%, the average debt is something around $13,000, $14,000. That is incredible. And that is, so... It is a, an homage to the people of the state of California that support that. Um, but it is also um, so um, clear that the financial aid office on a campus is absolutely essential to students in order for them to begin and persist and to graduate. Uh, so, okay, so you've decided you like financial aid and you want to help. Why Cal State Fullerton? When I was looking for jobs, <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to work you know, not, not far from Long Beach because that's home. And I, I also wanted to just really work somewhere where I knew that the student body reflected the, the, the people that I want to help. Um, and here it's, it's a Hispanic serving institution. It's a very diverse campus. It's a lot of, a lot of low income students. And so I wanted to go where I felt that I could be, make the greatest impact. And I believe that that's what we get to do here at CSUF. And that's what really, I would say, makes me get up every morning and really enjoy it, knowing that I'm, I'm helping the students who, who oftentimes need the most help, um, but oftentimes um, just need somebody to believe in them, somebody to say that they can do it, that they have support, and that they're not alone. So I think that's what really draws me to the CSU and ultimately CSUF. Yeah, I mean, the CSU is the... They always call it the People's University, and yeah. it is the People's University. But if you think about Cal State Fullerton within the CSU, the largest of the CSUs, mm -hmm. 41,500 students this year, 50% of the entering class is Latinx, mm -hmm. about 48% of our entire student body is Latinx, mm -hmm. graduating more, more Latinos and Latinas than just about any other institution in California, and you know, top four or five in the nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, not just a Hispanic-serving institution because we have uh, Latinx students, but because we are committed to serving those students. Absolutely. Um, and in every place and space on our campus, that's part of who we are, and we're very proud of that, um, proud of the support that we give to that community and the support that that community gives back to us. But as I love to say, Cal State Fullerton today is Orange County tomorrow. And Orange County tomorrow is California next week mm -hmm. and the nation next year. So you see our campus, you know, 50% Latinx, 25% API, um, you know, a, a very, very diverse campus, almost 60% first gen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, large, large Pell population. Mm -hmm. We are creating the opportunity for those students to change and be the catalyst to build the Orange County that we want of tomorrow. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Orange County today, but no. it can be a lot better. Absolutely. And with more than 300,000 alums mm -hmm. and 80% of them being within 50 miles of our campus, we know 
if we do it right here, mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, an amazing place. Yeah. But they won't stay without financial aid. Absolutely. Yeah. And as Fram says those numbers, what strikes me is 41,000 students, as you just said, but yet you and your office are able to give a unique, customized, personal experience to, from from where I sit, everyone who needs it. How do you do that? How do you, with so many students that we serve, how do you make it so personal and unique? I, I think it's it's thinking back to to understanding that we're here for students and that we're we're here to ultimately serve our most our most important constituent. And in terms of how we do it, we we do our best to do things that haven't been done. Whether it's being on campus and being vis- highly visible to anybody who's walking down Titan Walk, to uh, developing workshops that are on Zoom, that are in a virtual platform, that are accessible at any any point in a student's day, um, that are on demand, um, and that we're as as visible as we can be on social media as well. I, I think it's doing our best to do things that just haven't been done in financial aid and not necessarily making compliance, the, the following the guidelines are our, 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 our only guiding star, but also really thinking about what we can do to, to, to make that student's experience the best we can. And I think that um, we're, we're, we're striving every year that we're doing this. And um, I would say this year specifically, you know, we we're in October now and the CDA, the California Dream Act, the FAFSA just opened and, and we're, we're doing our best to let students know that they need to apply now. And that they need, this is a, a crucial time for them to plan for the next year. They're in the middle of, of their fall semester. They're probably just thinking about their midterms, but it's so important for them to think about next year and to not just focus on the deadline of March 2nd, but to, to give them that heads up and, and give them that support now so that they can be ready for next year. And so I think it's, it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of, a lot of um, targeted uh, outreach and, and also um, understanding that we're a Hispanic serving institution. I think it's, it's it's creating content that is accessible and that is um, understandable to those families that English is not their first language. So we we we've created Spanish content, Spanish videos, and um, Spanish outreach events for them. So if for for our listeners who um, may not be as familiar as they could be with financial aid, I mean, you are the assistant director of client services at Durell. <laughs> Explain to them how financial aid works, what what uh, financial aid opportunities there are for our students that are incoming. Um, you know, you don't have to go into deep detail, but give sure. them a sense yeah. of the availability um, of uh, and the hopefulness with which they can approach this. Yeah, so it, every student should start with the first step of, of completing either a FAFSA or a California Dream Act, um, depending on so your- So tell them what a FAFSA is. Yeah, the, the FAFSA stands for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, and it's an application that's available for for U.S. citizens, for eligible non-citizens like uh, legal permanent residents, for those who have high school diplomas or GEDs and, and social security numbers, for those students who perhaps don't don't meet one of those requirements, we have the California Dream Act application, and it's a a state application uh, for students who historically have been undocumented students. Uh, but the the real requirement is for them to meet what is called AB 540 requirements, Assembly Bill 540 requirements. It's a, it's a laundry list of requirements that. Um, really looks for did you attend high school in California, did you graduate, and so forth. So depending on which one you fall under, students have to submit their application by March 2nd. After they submit their application, we at times need to request additional documentation, uh, perhaps a tax document to verify some information. And then during the summer, we were able to award. So once once a student gets awarded, depending on, on their family's financial strength as determined by the application, we're able to determine if we can award them a combination of state, federal uh, grant funding and maybe even loan funding. Um, state funding could be anything from a state university grant that can pay for the tuition portion of the tuition fees, which is the largest portion, um, or um, a Cal grant that can also pay for the tuition portion to maybe a Pell grant that can be applied towards the overall cost of attendance. Um, then we also offer loans. So these are, are loans that students can uh, apply for just by submitting a, a FAFSA application. And so all of these can be applied towards a student's cost of attendance here at the university. And um, as you mentioned, a lot of our students with with the highest need tend to be eligible for things like the Cal Grant, the State University Grant, the Pell Grant. And it allows this uh, allows this experience at CSUF to be very affordable for many students. And for a lot of students, they, depending on their need, they may not have to pay anything out of pocket. Yeah. yeah, I love that you differentiated the grants from the loans. 
because uh, I think for a lot of people, when they hear financial aid, they think debt, they're going right. to have to pay it back. Mm -hmm. And much of what you're talking about, that is not the case. Right. And, uh, a lot of students with, with high need oftentimes don't need to borrow. And so um, for those students who don't need to borrow, they can get a Pell Grant, they can get a Cal Grant, and this is free money that they don't have to pay back. Mm -hmm. And every student's different. Every student's unique. Yeah. De depending on their family's finances or personal finances, every student has a unique award package. So we can't say you're going to get this, or you're going to get that, but submit an application, you know, give us a call if you need some help and we can walk you through the process. So Marco, we got 41 and a half thousand students. A lot of them are probably thinking, that, well, there's not enough financial aid for me. I won't end up getting any. How much financial aid did we award last year? Millions. <laughs> Over 300 million, I Over believe. Over 300 million yeah. dollars. Millions. So 41,000 students, $300 million. There's a good chance you're going to get something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the most important thing is just to apply. Just to apply. And even if you're unsure that you may get something, we won't know unless you do apply and unless you do go through the process of of, of submitting the application, submitting any potentially requested documents and, and reaching out and knowing that we're here to support. We're not here to to hinder anybody from receiving their their grants or their scholarships <laughs> or their loans, but we're here to support them and allow them to get that funding so that they can attend their classes and ultimately graduate. So just in listening to how you're describing this, it's clear why you were nominated for the Titan of the Year Award because you have great empathy, great knowledge, the great bedside manner uh, that um, you would have with students, making them feel not like uh, they are a burden, but that they are entitled and that this is part of, that we welcome this. We want students to apply for financial aid. It's not a bother when they do so. It's like mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So tell me what this award meant to you. Tell me, uh, I mean, I read uh, an article where you wrote a letter to mom and dad. I did. Um, telling them when you learned of the award. Tell us about that letter, why you did that, and what this award means. So starting with, with the letter, my, my parents don't speak English. And so when I was um, featured recently, I, I made a point to, to write something to them because I know that it would mean a lot to them. So I, in, in my letter, for anybody who maybe aren't, isn't able to understand it, I just thank them. I you know, thank you for staying up and, and doing homework with me. Thank you for for the sacrifices you've made and thank you for, for being there. Um, this award um, was, was really, really humbling to be completely honest with you. It, it's not something I, I ever dreamed of when I started my journey here. Um, I, I remember being in, in one of those HR in, introductions to trainings and, and Matt came in and he, and he said, hi, I'm here on, on behalf of the president. I just want to welcome you all to CSUF. And I believe you kind of gave out your business cards to everybody in that room. And I didn't think much of it, but I wouldn't have imagined myself, you know, a few years later being, being in the seat um, and, and being able to, to have this conversation with you both. But it, it's really humbling because knowing that I am first in my family to, 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 to be in this type of environment and, and working in, in a white collar job and, and being able to, to give back in the way that I'm giving back, it's, it's really humbling to, to know that. Um, one of one of our students cared enough to, to to write that nomination to ultimately be selected and um, to now have this opportunity that I have today to sit in front of you both. Um, I it's it's without a doubt the, the biggest honor I've, I've received, and I think that as, when I heard the news, the first thing I did was I, I called my my mom and I let her know, and and I, I just wanted to share that moment with her because I I I didn't get here alone. I I'm here because of the people who who showed kindness, who showed, who showed love and who ultimately believed enough in, in somebody. And, and I just wanna, wanted to share that with somebody. And when, when my colleagues ultimately learned, learned the news, I, I really wanted to share that with them as well. Because I, I, I believe that this award is, is, is theirs just as much as it, it is mine. Because we're, it's, it's the work that we do and it's the work that, that we get to be a part of. And then it's just a, so that's that's how I can describe it. A really humbling experience, and I hope that this this new platform really uh, allows me to to continue to do the work that that we're doing, and to continue to to achieve new things in our department, and to continue to to do things that haven't been done. Uh, whether it's 
doing more workshops, more more outreach, more more content to reach those students who who feel that they don't belong or that this is not for them. That that it really is. So we're talking about financial aid and the financial aid office and all the work you do there, and it's obvious how important that is. But you know, the way you go about doing your work is equally important to the work that you do. And you can have so many um, ancillary effects. And maybe sometimes those effects actually end up being primary, even though they're not exactly what, you know, your your mission is to, uh, to de uh, uh, determine eligibility and award financial aid. But there's so much more to that, right? And one of the things that um, uh, I think is important is that this was a student that nominated you for this. And I, I believe it was a student that um, you were as part of the peer advising process. It is, right. Uh, so tell us about the peer, peer advisor program, what a peer advisor is and how this works and how important that is. Yes, our, our peer advisors are our, our student assistants. These are students that we hire within our, our office through the federal work-study program, which is a, a type of funding that allows students to gain really valuable work experience while they're here at CSUF, get paid for it. Um, and we, we hire students every year and this is one of the students who, um, you know, who ultimately nominated me. But this program uh, is a there are there are, are ultimately our clerical assistants. But we we do a lot more, and we want them to to really develop as professionals, as 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 future leaders. And um, we we give them all the knowledge we can on on the general financial aid information, to, so they can then assist students via phone, via email, via any any form of contact uh, outreach. Um, and then we also do our best to provide them those professional development opportunities, whether it's uh, a, a, a targeted training on how, how they can de-escalate a conversation, a, a, a targeted training on how they can better interview, write better resumes and cover letters. And um, we do our best to mentor them and, and to be, be more than just their employer, but ultimately be someone that they can see as um, a potential, um, maybe potential career match, but also a potential uh, mentor. That, that they can reach out to if they want to learn how how to interview for a job, how how to write a resume, a cover letter, um, and how hopefully they can develop those those soft skills as well. Um, and interacting with different students, different populations, uh, parents, um, and it's it's I think for anybody who's interested in working at at in higher ed, they should always they, they should look to hopefully start as a student assistant somewhere because they really gain a valuable experience. And, and understanding how different processes work, but also understanding that our university is so complex. Uh, but if you can really uh, gain a good understanding on and just depth of knowledge in one area, you can definitely get a good start somewhere. Um, so that's that's what our peer advisors do. They help they help us with a lot of our our, our outreach, a lot of our our uh, communication with with parents and with students. And and uh, my hope is always that they get as much from us as we get as we get from them through the professional development opportunities. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a secret in so many ways uh, that we have so many students working on our campus mm -hmm. um, in all the offices, and whether it's the admissions office, uh, financial aid, records, uh, registrar's office, doing research, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason we do that. Um, it's, sure, it helps them with... Uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> with uh, their uh, helps them financially. Right. But it also, we know that they will stay in school. Retention is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, it's really a, a, a secret weapon that we have for making sure that students um, stay and graduate and earn great experience. But one of the things that we learn from our community when people go out into Orange County, uh, they uh, all, all the employers say they love Titans because they have uh, real working experience. Mm -hmm. And most of the time you can trace that back to something yeah. they were doing on the campus. Absolutely. Some department that gave them a, an opportunity to, to develop, to, to, to really polish their skills, yep. whether it's presenting, interacting with folks. Absolutely. So... Uh, as Titan of the Year, you are now uh, officially, even though unofficially you are already a leader on our campus, but a real leader on our campus. Um, uh, 
And that is both a blessing and a responsibility. Uh, so as uh, a leader, I'll ask you the questions that I ask other leaders all the time on our campus. Uh, what do you think is are our campus's best attributes? And then what do you think we ought to be changing? What do we ought to be working on? Uh, what can we do better? Yeah, I, I would say our best attributes are that we we have staff that really care, that we have we have staff who are in positions where they want to be here, where they want to make a difference, and where where they get to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I think that's one of our biggest strengths, um, and also our our diversity. I think you, you've mentioned all the stats earlier, but that's that's such a strength because as you mentioned, uh, our future of, of California and, and, and Orange County really is, is, is more and more diverse and, and with, a, with an opportunity like ours to, to really um, not just educate, but provide those development opportunities for students. It's, it's such a vital um, and, and, and necessary and, and just um, strength of ours, I would say. Um, in terms of what we can maybe work on, improve upon, I think that Continuously thinking of what we can do better um, in, in our own roles, in our own areas is, is, is important. So in, in financial aid, in, in thinking of, of, of where I have, have a, a position, I, I never want to think back and say, you know, I'm, I've, I'm, only, I'm, I'm currently doing 10 workshops or however many things I'm doing, that's good enough. I never want to think what I'm doing now is good enough. I want to think of how I can innovate and use different different platforms, different social media platforms, different different things to get different messages across. Um, and so I think that's something that perhaps other departments can think of, how they can do things differently that, that than their departments have been done in the past and not just um, relying on the, the fallacy of tradition and saying, well, just, that's not what we do. Um, and so how can we how can we look look to the future and think of of new interesting and, and impactful ways that, that we can reach students and get our different messages across, whether it's financial aid or a registration deadline or uh, a application deadline of some sort. It's how, how can how can we do things in ways that we haven't done them before? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, when we moved from face to face to virtual 19 months ago, 20 yeah. months ago now, uh, there were many areas where uh, we said, okay, we think we can do this. And financial aid was not one of them. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, uh, it came back to me, well, we're the one unit that has to stay on campus <laughs> and has to do everything in person. And of course, that wasn't possible. And yet, when you, faced with that, within a month, financial aid was humming virtually. Absolutely. And you must have learned some great uh, lessons and experiences on how to better serve students, uh, how to be a more accessible, um, more um, um, pr provide more information and mm -hmm. all different avenues of delivery. So that when we come back in person, while we wanna be in person, we want that financial aid office open and we want kids to, uh, students to feel like they can come in and talk, mm -hmm. we still have all those lessons we learned from virtual. So what do we learn from virtual and financial aid about what we can keep doing yeah. or how we can do it differently? We we learn that we can do things remotely, first and foremost, that we're able to meet with a student via Zoom, via phone, and they don't have to physically be there in front of me for me to counsel them. We learn that our workshops are able to reach so many more students uh, online than they are in person. Uh, we learn that we, we have the ability to send a message and, and reach a number of students that we hadn't been reaching before. And I, I want to say that um, it was possible because I think we, we really made an effort to be flexible, to, to, to try new things. And if it didn't work, well, then we, we tried something else. And, and that we didn't just sit back and say, well, that's just not how financial aid works. Um, that we really made an effort to, to, to be accessible, to be, to be flexible, to be, to be open, and to be transparent with students and say, um, my, you mentioned my director earlier, but she, she, made a point to, to go on Instagram Live a few times and, and answer questions on Instagram Live and to, and to let students know, you know what, right now our, our, our waiting times on the phone are a little longer than we want them to be, but we're not physically open. We have a lot of students calling in at once, but still want to take a moment to let you know that we're here, we're supportive. Um, we will answer. 
we will answer <laughs> as soon as we're able to. Um, and I think that's part of, of what we learned that using new methods of communication have, have, have really opened up the door for reaching more and more students. When we first started these workshops about two years ago, my very first workshop had a, a single attendee. <laughs> and, and my goal was always to reach 100. And I just never tell myself, I want to see 100 students in a room. And over time, that, that workshop has grown. And this past Friday, we held our very first one on October 1st. And I had, although I didn't see them in a room, right. I had 118 students attend. My my mind was blown. It, it was it was it was the most. It was an absolute win, yeah. <laughs> and and it was such a good thing to 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 see on on at least on paper that we had that many students attending, and um, I want to see them grow and continue to reach as many students as possible, because we ultimately want students to to know that they have help. They're not alone. They can graduate, and and this is this is their tool. So let's switch gears a little bit. We've yeah. talked a lot about financial aid. We've talked a lot about your your route toward um, higher education. Um, I want you to think for a minute about um, who have been the major influences in your life. <coughs> and I usually divide those into two kinds of people. Those that I know who have been a personal influence in me, mm-hmm. my parents, people like that. And those that I don't know, but um, sort of learned about and have watched from afar Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, maybe they're historical figures, maybe they're current figures, but they inspire me. So tell me a couple of people in both of those categories that inspire you to do more and Mm -hmm. inspired you to get here and still help you um, with your dreams. Yeah. I would say on on a personal level, it's, it's my parents. It's, it's, it's my mom and my dad who, who wake up every morning and, and they go to work and, they, they do the best they can with with the skills they have and with the knowledge they have, um, and who really inspire me to continue to to put as much effort as I can into what I do. Um, and along my journey, I, I you know I had a, a fourth grade teacher who I'm still in contact with, and who I would say, aside from my parents, was the first person who really believed in me. Um, and similarly to me, she was a first gen student, low income, um, and she. She ultimately uh, went to UCLA as well and had a is still teaching. Um, but to to this day, she she aside from my parents is probably the the single most influential person I, I've had. Who, when I think back to what she's done, it's she's just been somebody who believed in me, and that's something I always hold on to. Some someone believes in me, um, and at a at a more aspirational level, maybe somebody that I don't know. I I, I think to someone like. My Angelou, um, as, as somebody who, if, if I could do half the things she she got to do yeah. in her life, I, I would I would be happy. Yeah. Uh, as not just a that's a great one. Yeah, not, not just an author or a speaker, but humanitarian, humanitarian, a, an educator, a a, a a Renaissance woman in in every sense of the way, and a leader, a leader, absolutely. Um, and I I, I look. I look to her writing at times, to be honest with you, to for for inspiration and, and motivation, and and I, I look to her story as somebody who overcame so much adversity, as a woman, as a woman of color, and in a country that I'm foreign to, um, and that, that's something that I that I that's someone that I really look up to, and that I wish I I wish I had the opportunity to meet, but I, I get to meet her through her writing, mm-hmm. and I get to know her through her writing, and it's um, it's someone that I really look up to. Um, in terms of another person, I I would say, you know, someone, someone, someone whose 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 leadership I would say really was influential um, in my my development was was President Obama, uh, and and seeing somebody who who just didn't look like any other person who came before him in that role, um, and I, I remember. During his first um, election, I, I wasn't able to vote. I, I wasn't a U.S. citizen at the time, and and ever thinking, well, I really wish I could vote in this election. Mm. And and just just I, I was drawn by his speeches. I was drawn by his his rhetoric. I was drawn by his eloquence. His eloquence, mm. absolutely. And and um, when they say that 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 children of color will look back to this as a as a landmark figure, as a landmark moment, yeah. I I was I was that like young teenager who who saw that and went wow this is 
this is I hope this is not a once in a lifetime moment, but for me, this is such a, a monumental moment. Um, and I, I haven't finished reading it, but I've, I've started reading his, 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 the book he, he published in, within the last few months. And um, as somebody who, who never really thought of politics as a career, I, I can, I can see how, how somebody like dives into that type of, of field and, and, and an aspiration and, um, I can see a little, in, in some instances of, of myself, and 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 chasing that American dream, and and chasing that, that that stability and prosperity, not just not just for myself, but for those who come after me, and for those who 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 come from the similar backgrounds and communities that I do. Those are two amazing choices, and hard to disagree with either one. <laughs> hard to disagree with either one. Yeah. So along the same lines. One of the first uh, guests I had on the podcast, I don't know if you ever had a chance to listen to that uh, episode, was Tam Nguyen, who is a, a, a significant leader in the um, Vietnamese community in Little Saigon here in Orange County, mm. is a titan um, and gives back to the community in unbelievable ways, an amazing mm. man. But one of the things that surprised me during our conversation is he actually said that he has a mission statement, a personal mission statement. Uh, a value statement that he applies to his life and to his family. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you want to listen, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, but I, that made me think I should ask each of my guests if you had, mm -hmm. if, you, if you have one, and if you don't, what do you think it would be if you had to have one? I, you know, I don't believe I have an actual like mission statement, but, but something that I really aim to do is to, to leave someplace better than I found it. And, and, and that, and I, and I do my best to, to, to live up to that in, in any capacity that I can um, in my work and, and how I treat those around me, the students that I work with, the students that I work for, to, to leave to leave wherever I'm at better than I found it um, and and to to treat others how I would want to be treated. Um, and so in any interaction that I have, that's that's why I, I do my best to do. Um, and, you know, I, I'm i a man of faith and I, I look, I think back to the the things my mom you know and my and my dad taught me as I grew up and and now you know we should be treating each other and how we should should love one another and be there for one another and and that's something I, I really strive to do that, that sounds like a mission statement to me a great one a great <laughs> thank one. you um and maybe a good segue into talking just a little bit about um your time uh working remotely mm-hmm uh, as I mentioned, uh, financial aid was heroic in what they were able to accomplish in mm. going virtual quickly and continuing to serve students um, throughout the pandemic and then coming back in a big way. Um, but during that time that we were away physically from the campus, there was a lot going on in our country mm -hmm. as well. Um, and because we are such a diverse campus, filled with students from underserved communities, filled with faculty and staff from underserved communities. Um, social justice is so important to us as a campus because mm -hmm. because we believe, I think uniformly almost, uh, that that is the understanding that history, putting it in perspective with unvarnished truth, where we've come from, what we've been through, is the only way that we can use it as a catalyst for change for the future to create the future that we demand of ourselves, that we dream of for our kids, mm -hmm. that we dream of for our students. So tell me how, um, not how the viral pandemic affected you while you were away physically from campus, mm -hmm. but talk a little bit about your feelings about what we've been going through as a society with the boiling up of systemic racism, yeah. which has always been there, right? but it actually blistered. Right. It actually uh, came out onto the surface, which I think is a good thing, not a bad thing, because that means we all have to look at it. We all have to examine it. And we all have to look at how we then dig in and root it out. What were your experience? Well, I, 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 I grew up in an, in a very urban setting and and so i would say that i grew up in a 
in Long Beach, and that was one of the cities that I remember being being targeted at one point. Um, that got a lot of coverage for for a lot of the damage that happened um, to, to some some businesses in the downtown area. Um, but this this entire experience, I would say, really. It, it was an eye-opening experience in the sense that I, I, I think as, as, a, as an immigrant, as a man of color, I, I saw a lot of the indifferences um, or a lot of, how do I word it, a lot of the struggles that people of color go to go through um, and, and that maybe a lot of people who don't have those similar experiences uh, never know about. And so seeing, seeing people of color um, get together, advocate for themselves, be highly visible uh, was something that that to me was reminiscent of of those his, those stories I've heard about the civil rights movement, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is our version of civil rights. This is our moment. This is our moment." And it it made me think of of the impact that that we in, in higher ed have, and that the impact that those who are in public um, public service really have. And I, I remember t- telling t- telling my mom, you know, I, I I love what I do, but I think someday I I can see myself running for office. Because I think that ultimately what, during this, this pandemic where people lost their jobs, where people feel hopeless, where people are, 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 are in need of, of, of somebody who, who can give them some hope, I think that those public servants are the ones who can, can really do something about it, whether it's providing them some, some rental assistance, some, some food assistance, whatever the programs are out there. But I remember thinking, I, I think one day I, I want to do, do this in, in some capacity. Um, and I, I, I want to make sure that that those who who feel the way that they feel now can feel seen, that they feel that they're represented, that their struggles aren't aren't just going into a void somewhere, and that it's just a YouTube clip about somebody getting beat, um, but that it's 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 an experience that shouldn't happen again, and that everybody has a powerful voice and and a place at the table, um, and. When I look back to our time working from home, I, I just remember thinking, I wish I could do more um, than, than than what I'm currently doing. And um, who knows who knows where I'll be in the future, but maybe, maybe it's in public service in a different setting. Well, we can model that now yeah, on our campus. Absolutely, we have to start with what's in front of us. You know, that's my my uh, favorite uh, uh, images from Mother Teresa, who said, you know, when she was asked. You look at the masses of people and all the harm and and all the destitute and all the suffering isn't it overwhelming how do you how do you do this and she said you start with the person in front of you mm-hmm. and so we at cal state fullerton must be committed to starting with that journey here mm-hmm. on Absolutely. our campus and that's what our guiding principles for social justice are all mm-hmm. about um, and i would love to see those inculcated into everything that happens in financial aid and everything that happens in admissions and across our campus. But it also means giving voice to the voiceless. It means being good listeners. It means being willing to dig deep into the foundation of who we are and make sure that we uh, uproot that systemic piece that is institutionalized in our nation, in our state, in our county, in our community, and in our campus. Uh, and change it. Uh, it will. We will only make that change if we are intentional in doing that all the time. So we need partners, uh, and there's no better partner than the Titan of the Year to stand <laughs> up and say those things. So I really appreciate you, you saying that. And the aspiration to do more is beautiful, but I don't know if you realize how much you were actually doing um, in, in that time for our students, aside from financial aid. Um, when we're talking about social justice, you were doing an immense amount just by being who you are. Thank you. By being the model that they can mirror themselves, by being the person that tells them they can do this, by assuring them that it is, is actually achievable, by showing them that mm-hmm. it is achievable, by saying, you come from where I came from. You come from the situation in which I was. Yeah. And look, you can do this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Okay. So we're about almost finished. So uh, we always do a lightning round, which is just plain old fun. Uh, so you got to answer these questions quick and give us, give us the answer. And it will be psychologically evaluated 
and we'll determine whether you're whether you're sane or crazy. Whether you can not. run for office. <laughs> <laughs> These will come back to bite you later when you're in your campaign. Okay, what's your favorite color? Blue. Okay, favorite word? Hope. Uh, what's your favorite food? Mexican food. Uh, oh, you like hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Oh, yeah. Okay, what was your favorite age so far? 23. 23, all 23. right. <laughs> favorite song or your favorite band? Wow. Uh, favorite Ordinary People by John Legend. Mm, very nice. Okay, favorite book? The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Oh, such a good book. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah, such a good book. <laughs> uh, all right, do you get up early? Do you stay up late or both? I, I'm a morning person. I, I, I'll get up. I'll get up early. Okay, and finally, the most important one, dogs or cats? Dogs. Yes. yes. <laughs> man, Marco, we, we can, we, I think we can move in together. <laughs> I like that list, man. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so um, this is a unique time at Cal State Fullerton. We have a whole new freshman class that's mm -hmm. never been on campus. A whole sophomore class. It's never been here. That's never been on campus. No. And our juniors were only here for one semester. Mm -hmm. So as they come back, they're now in their sixth week, seventh week. What advice would you give them as they uh, come back to this face-to-face -face journey? Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? I, you know, I would, I would tell students to to really take advantage of everything that's that's offered here. And not not just the services to students, but really getting involved with student activities, student clubs, student organizations. When I think back to my experience as a student, that was that was one of the most transformational things to to find a community for myself. Because you've been at home for a year and a half or a year and some change, and you know, build that community for yourselves as students, and 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 find the people who share common interests, who share commonalities in in some way, and 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 really make this your your home, make this place your university, because it ultimately is your university. And we are here to serve you. So find the things that, that bring you joy at the university, whether it's doing Titan Radio, doing student government, joining a club, starting a club, find your community and and know that this place is for you. Yeah, find your people. Mm -hmm. I think it's so right. Yeah. Find where you belong. Um, that's the key. Absolutely. You know, uh, we were listening to you talk about your journey and I'm sure you had some great professors and I'm sure you had some great classes. Mm -hmm. You didn't mention any of them. What you mentioned was <laughs> your experience as becoming a student leader in ASI yeah. and how transformative that was for you. It was. Right? It really was. And um, your experience as working as an intern and how transformative that was for you. Mm -hmm. So those experiences are not part of your uh, A through G curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. No, no. <laughs> so you have to find those. You, you have, you to, have, you have to go out of your way at times. But yes. They're there. They're, They're everywhere. There. Yes. All right. So it's your last chance, Titan of the Year. Uh, <laughs> well, not your last chance. I'm sure you'll have many chances, but last chance for this podcast. What message do you want to leave with the Titan community as we uh, finish off this podcast? You know, I, I, I would tell everyone who's listening to take a moment to be there for our students. And in, in, in whatever capacity they can, and and to understand that we are all going through, as as students, as staff, their own journeys, and to to really be kind to one another, because you never know what impact that will have on somebody. Beautiful. And and last thing, where can a student find financial aid? Where do they go? What's the first location they should type into their URL? Fullerton.edu/forward/slash/financial-aid. They'll find our, our phone number, our methods of contact, social media and all the other great information on there. So I would add I would add to your message, which is also take time to celebrate. You know, uh, we were a great campus before the pandemic. Absolutely. We came through the pandemic like virtually no other campus has. Mm -hmm. We have been best in show in everything that we've done. And here we are again coming back with more students than any other CSU, probably more than any other campus in California, with more offerings, with, with greater safety and health and care and um, protection for our students. We are constantly reinventing ourselves in order to be better. So take time to celebrate what we've done, mm -hmm. to remember what we've been through and who isn't here with us or who's here with us and still suffering. Mm -hmm. And then don't revel in that. 
just use it as resolve for us to go to the next step, to the next level, because we will always be getting better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. It's, it's been my honor. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to Fram and Friends, a collaboration between Titan Radio and Cal State Fullerton. For more episodes like the one you just heard, visit titanradio.org.